Jesus defined his existence in the terms of his relationship with his father, Yahweh, God, whom he called Abba. He did what he saw Abba doing, for he saw everything his father did. Jesus saw that the fundamental human problem was humanity's estrangement from his father. Jesus saw the Imago Dei, the image of God, in all people. No matter how broken, corrupted, stained it had become, it was there. Jesus knew God did not desire any of his image bearers to perish. His compassion was never a shallow sentiment, but a challenge to a redeemed life. Imagine seeing through the eyes of Jesus, not just what he physically saw, but what he saw in people, situations. To experience what he felt, his reality, not just the broken and fallen side of people, but the redemptive potential, what they could be in relationship with his Father. Hi, Journey. I'm in Billings this weekend at the state wrestling tournament with the Bozeman Hawk wrestling team cheering for and serving those guys. One of the things that I so love about our church is that we've got this incredibly deep teaching pastor bench, don't we? All these fantastic teachers around here, Bob, Chris, Derry. I also love that our student ministry pastor, Chris Townley, is so gifted by God to bring us the truth of everything God's showing him. And so, because Chris can draw so incredibly well, didn't you love his drawing last weekend? And because Chris loves God and thoroughly challenges us from the Word, would you please give a very warm Journey Church welcome to our very own Chris Townley. I'm not that good of a drawer. I'm not that good. Uh, good, good to see you guys. Uh, last week, like Brian said, I was on a video. So here's the real life in the flesh version of me. I don't know if that's better for you or not. I guess we'll find out. Uh, and then if you would have come on Saturday night, I also was on a video because I was coaching uh, basketball in Billings. And I just have to say, I'm actually a little disappointed in all of you. We lost on a half quarter at the buzzer. And I, f- I feel like we just be- weren't lifted up in prayer. I don't know. <laughs> that, that apparently Billings cares more about praying for their sports than Bozeman does right now. So that's a bummer. Uh, but there'll, there'll be weeks that you can redeem yourself in that. I, I'm, I'm kidding. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was sad that we lost, but we'll bounce back, okay? So don't worry about me. Uh, also, last week, I wanted to say about that, you're welcome. That's right. I preached a 15-minute sermon for you guys last week. So you're welcome for that. And, and with that, I also wanted to say I'm sorry because I'm going to use my leftover time today. So buckle in. We're going to be here a while. It's snowing outside anyway. All right. So here, here it goes. Again, kidding. All right. Kidding. Okay. So we're in the third week of a series that we're calling Through the Eyes of Jesus, where, where the whole idea is that, that we would be looking at how Jesus sees and responds and views people. Uh, it's the whole idea of through his eyes. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a story that Jesus tells about a father. And so if you want to know what Jesus sees, then we'll have Jesus tell it through the eyes of the father in this story, representing God, because the way God sees is also the way Jesus sees. Complicated enough, right? I'll try and simplify that as we go. But up front, right away, I wanted to just be, be real with you, I guess. When we talk about God being like a father, that's not always easy 
for us. Some of us don't have a father. Some of us had a father, but he was never around. Some of us had a father who was around, but not really around. Maybe some of us have been hurt by our father. Maybe some of us have had a great example of a father, a father who loved us well and showed it well. The truth is, though, that all of us have a different view of what an earthly father would be, like how that father lives and how that father loves his children. And and I kind of just want to free us up right now and acknowledge that, that we can set aside our image of God as father as it pertains to our earthly father. Like that that would be okay, and we would almost start brand new on what God as father would actually look like. For me, personally, I've been very blessed to have a father who's loved me well, told me, showed me, he's encouraged me, he's been there for me my whole life. We, we had this thing as, as I was growing up because I always played basketball growing up and he would tell me before basketball games to play hard or die. Right? And, and what, what he really meant was like, well, well no other option other to, the, to play hard. You might as well play hard and it's not really life or death. Right? Like that was kind of implied in there because I mean, I guess if I didn't play hard, he was going to kill me, which seems extreme. So I don't, I don't think that's what he meant. And then as I finished playing basketball, he, he would tell me that before games. And, and eventually he learned how to even text it to me before games as I was in college. But that took a while. And then after college, I started coaching basketball. And, and as I was coaching basketball, he would then start to text me or tell me or call me. He would say, coach hard or die. Again, a, re- a reminder, just to, you might as well go hard and it's not life or death. And then as I started preaching more and more, He started texting me just like he did this morning, preach hard or die, which which I think maybe maybe is a little more life and death, really. So I I appreciate that. But but the point is that that I've had a a father who's loved me all along my whole life and I've known it. And so the jump for me from God as father isn't very hard. But I want you to know that it's okay if the jump for you is hard. Like that, that's okay to view God as father and have a difficult time wrapping your mind around that. But I also want you to know that God loves you more than any earthly father ever could. And we're going to try and get a picture of that today. So it's this very thing, this idea of God as father that I think kind of leads to this desire that we all have that we want to know what is God really like. Like what, what it, who is God You know, why does he love us? How does he love us? How do we know he loves us? When God sees us, what does he see? Right, if God sees everything we do and everything we are, then then how does he even like us some of the time, right? And so in order to try and answer these questions of who God is and what God is like, we're gonna look at Jesus, right? Because Jesus is God with skin on. And so in order to do that, We're going to look at this story that Jesus tells that I was telling you about earlier, the one about the father. And this story with the father, he he represents who God is and what God is like. And there's two other sons in this story. So before I go there, just full disclosure, I I have told this story, taught on this story, shared insights on this story like literally a gazillion times. You can't actually say literally a gazillion, but a lot of times. Right? I've taught on this. It's my favorite story in the whole Bible. And I feel like every time I approach it 
with an openness as if it's the first time I'm hearing it, that God breaks in in new ways, in different ways, in beautiful ways into my life as he has something new for me to grab from this story. And so my challenge for all of you, I promise it'll be the only challenge, then I'll go back to like jokes and you know, fun stuff like that. But my, my challenge is that you would engage this story if it is the first time you've ever heard it. So wipe away everything you might have heard, everything you might have known, and that you would wade into this story as if Jesus is telling it for the very first time. Think we can do that? Okay, a few of us are on board. That's good. So anyway, Jesus tells this story in the book of Luke, chapter 15. He starts in verse 11. But let me set the stage for us a little bit first. Jesus is, is speaking now to the religious elite of that time who, who are all bent out of shape that Jesus would have anything to do with sinners. Like they're upset about this, that, that he would hang out with them. And, and he, he starts to tell them like, well, hey, hold on guys. Hold on, let me, let me tell you some stories, right? There's other people listening to him and, and he tells these three stories about something that was lost. Something that was lost. So the first story he tells is about this 100 sheep. So this guy has 100 sheep, right? It sounds like the starting of a joke, really. So this guy has 100 sheep, and I, you know, they, they would have known what that was like. They would have known there would have been a shepherd and what it looked like to look after sheep in Middle Eastern time. And so one sheep goes away, and Jesus says this guy was in charge of the sheep. He leaves the 99 sheep, and he goes and gets the one. And he finds the one, and he brings the one that was lost back. And Jesus says, and that's just like when someone would turn their life towards God. And he said, everybody in the heavens would celebrate because the one that was lost has been found. And he tells the second story about this woman who has 10 silver coins, right? Not like quarters, but, you know, coins. It's like her whole life savings. And apparently she lost one in her own house. I don't know. Maybe you need to take better care of your 10 coins if you lose it in your own house. But anyway, she put it in like the pocket of her tunic and it went down and she couldn't find it. And so she cleans out the whole house and she finds her one coin and she put it in the other pocket of her tunic. Or I don't, I don't know where she put it, right? But she kept it. And Jesus says, that one that was lost and now is found is like when one person turns their life towards God and all the heavens celebrated. And that's kind of cool, two stories, right? One about sheep and one about coins. But the third one he tells is about people. And that's the one we're going to look at today. So here we are beginning in Luke 15, verse 11. Here's what Jesus says as he tells this story to these religious elite. He says, once there was this man who had two sons. One day the younger son came to his father and said, Father, eventually I'm going to inherit my share of your estate. Rather than waiting until you die... I want you to give me my share now. He's saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me some money. Right? That's what he's saying. It's pretty brutal. And, and you have to remember, because you've never heard this story before, right? what would you think a father would do? Like, no, get out of here. You're not even welcome here, right? Like, kick you out. So here's what this father does. He says, or he does. And so the father liquidated assets and divided them. A few days passed, and the younger son gathered all his wealth and set off on a journey to a distant land. Once there, he wasted everything he owned on wild living. Right, like, I don't know what that maybe looked like in the Jewish culture, in the Middle Eastern time, wild living, right? Like, I don't know, maybe like some crazy homebrews or something were going on, right? You know, Hebrews, (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, right? Like, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what it was that was going on. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> that's horrible, I know. Right, like, there, there was something there that was different. Maybe it was prostitutes. Maybe it was something that we can imagine. Maybe it was something with pork. I don't know. Like, it, it could have been any type of wild living, right? And so here's what happens after he wasted it all on wild living. It says, he was broke, and a terrible famine struck that land, and he felt desperately hungry and in need, right? He had nothing left. Not only was he hungry, but he had deep need as well. He was in need. He got a job with one of the locals, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man felt so miserably hungry that he wished he could eat the slop the pigs were eating. Nobody gave him anything. Like at this point, the younger son's life has, has bottomed out. Right? He, he's hit rock bottom. Not only is he hungry, not only is he starving in that moment, right, that he needs something to eat, but he also has these other needs because everything he thought would fulfill his life when he said, Dad, I want that money, and he went on his way. Didn't work out. It didn't fulfill him. It left him empty, and so here he is, right, like just broken down. And so in this moment of brokenness, here's what happens next. So he had this moment of self-reflection. So he had this moment of self-reflection. He says, what am I doing here? Back home, my father's hired servants have plenty of food. Why am I here starving to death? I'll get up and return to my father and I'll say, Father, I have done wrong, wrong against God and against you. I have forfeited any right to be treated like your son, but I'm wondering if you'd treat me as one of your hired servants. Right, like in this moment, this moment of self-reflection, He's essentially having an identity crisis, right? He doesn't know who he is anymore. He used to be a son, but he knows he can't be a son anymore because he wished his dad was dead and took his money. And so he has this moment of self-reflection. Like if you had a moment of self-reflection right now, how would you reflect on the state of your life? Are you becoming who you want to become? Are you living your life as the person that God has called you to be? In a moment of self-reflection. And then I love that he asks this question. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Like, isn't that the question we ask anytime we're away from home? Anytime we're away from the place we know we should be? Anytime we're away from the place we know that God had intended us to be? We end up over here and we're like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? So then he goes on to say this. He got up and returned to his father. Stop there again. I know, we stop a lot. Right, I got a lot to say. Right, he got up and returned to his father. You've never heard this story before. This is brand new. You don't know what happens next, right? Like, you don't know what the father, how would a Middle Eastern father have probably responded when he got up and returned to him? What would he have done? He would I have, this, I have this image, and I have no idea why this is the image I have of him, like the, the father like palming the kid's face and like, no, you're not welcome here. Get out of here. You're the same guy who wanted me dead. You took all my money and spent it, right? It wouldn't be surprising if he had changed the locks to the house, right? Gated up the community for a while. You're not welcome here. But 
It's what the father does. The father looked off in the distance and saw the young man returning. He looked off in the distance. He was already looking for him. He was already waiting for his return. And when he saw him coming, when he saw the man returning, he felt compassion for his son and he ran out to him and folded him in an embrace and kissed him. Right, the, the, the father did that. This father who represents God like, please, 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 let that blow your mind. That should just completely, it should, we should have minds like all over the walls in here. Right, like it, it should so blow your mind that that would happen because as this younger son is walking home, right, like this moment he finally has it where he's gonna turn around, right, and his head is hung low in shame and he's like, I guess I'll go back and maybe I'll be a, a servant. Maybe that's all I've got. His father sees him coming and he comes running. He's not waiting for him, arms crossed, scowling. He's not wagging a finger. He's not saying, I told you so. He's not shutting up the door and locking it. He's running. A God who runs like he sprints. The Greek word for ran there actually means athletic games. Right, like that's a, that's a fast sprint, not a trot, not a jog. Like think of somebody fast. You can imagine me, that's fine, right? Like sprinting there, that kind of speed. He gets there. Like, and, he's, and he's not running because he's like, oh, I'm the father in the story. I guess I gotta be God, so I'll do a half-hearted trot to get there and see my son. Like it, it was, he had compassion, so he sprinted. It was from his heart. And then you've got to keep in mind this, that, that a father in Middle Eastern times would have been wearing a robe, not the ideal sprinting outfit, okay? I don't, I don't know if you guys spend a lot of time in robes. Don't tell me if you do. We don't need to talk about that. But I'm just saying, if you are wearing a robe, it is not easy to sprint. Something has to happen in order to sprint to your son, and you've got to hike it up a little bit. And... In order to sprint, you have to. And off you go, right? Like, that's disgraceful. Fathers don't do that. Middle Eastern fathers definitely don't do that. Do you know who runs in Middle Eastern culture? Children. Children run. And so he runs, this father with his robe up. I mean, I had to have been ridiculous. And in this picture, if that's who God is, this is my favorite picture, a God who sprints, and off he goes, and then what happens next? Then comes the kiss. The kiss. Right? The father representing God. He first sprints to the son, and then he does the unimaginable. He hooks him in this embrace, and he kisses him. You know who hugs and kisses in Middle Eastern culture? The mother. And so this father is acting like everyone, right? And he's running to his son and he hugs him and he kisses him and you know what I so love about that picture like there's no other religion that would describe God as a looking for you sprinting to you hugging you kissing you type of God that's the kind of father he was so then the story goes on here's what happens next the son said father I have done a terrible wrong in God's sight and in your sight too I have forfeited any right to be treated as your son. 
But the father turned to his servants and said, quick. Or like, hold on, again. Imagine that. Like, imagine what this looks like. Because they're in this embrace, right? They're like locked in the embrace. Father and son. And the, and the son, he's trying to recite that speech he'd worked on the whole way back. The, you know, the one that, hey, I don't want to be a son, I just want to be a servant. Right, and they're holding it. Imagine what that would have been like trying to give that speech. And the father doesn't even acknowledge the speech. He turns away, they're locked here. He turns away and he says, quick, quick, I need you to bring the best robe we have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Go get the fattest calf and butcher it. Let's have a feast and celebrate because my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So they had this huge party. The Bible, Jesus told that story and he said they had a huge party. Man, how incredible is that? Right, so, so first of all, let's start with the robe because the best robe in the house would have belonged to who? The father, right? Exactly, and I'm, I'm, I don't know because it's just a story, but I hope it wasn't the robe he was wearing that he ran out there in, but it was, they got him another robe because he had a couple best robes, right, and they put it on him. And just imagine what that would have been like in that moment, right, locked in the embrace, like go and get the best robe, the best ring, the best sandals, go and get the best because we've got to clothe my son. And again, this, this, you haven't heard this before, so this has to come alive to you because you know what that son was? Bottomed out, empty. I'm, I'm guessing when the famine struck, he didn't spend a lot of time on personal hygiene. Right, just a, just a guess. So my guess is he didn't smell too great. My guess is his clothing was probably pretty tattered, if he had clothing at all. And in that moment, locked in that embrace, there is not a single thing that son can do to earn his way back into the good graces of the Father. All he can do is accept it. Like there's no time for a well thought out speech. There's no time for a bath. Because you know why? They had to get to the huge party. They had to get to the party. And this message is so powerful because this father, he represents our heavenly father, right? And every child of God, every son and every daughter who returns home, who turns to God is deserving of a celebration, of a feast, of a party, of a dance with a God who loves them relentlessly, every single one. And then there's the older son. Here's his story. Now the man's older son was still out in the fields working. He came home at the end of the day and heard music and dancing. That's because there was a huge party. That's why he could hear it outside. He, call, he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant said, your brother has returned and your father has butchered the fattest calf to celebrate his safe return. The older brother got really angry and refused to come inside. So his father came out and pleaded with him to join the celebration. Now again, you don't know the story, but you know a little bit about the father at this point. Right? A Middle Eastern father wouldn't typically leave the party to go and bring in his son. 
That's disgracing himself again. But this father is just continuously pursuing, continuously. And so he goes outside and he invites him to join the celebration. But the son, he argued back, listen, all these years I've worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed one of your orders. But how many times have you even given me a little goat to roast for a party with my friends? Not once. This is not fair. Like, isn't this what we say when when life isn't going our way or we don't expect it to happen like, you know, we want it to? This is not fair. Can you imagine how ridiculous that would have looked as the older son's outside the party? The party's inside and he's not fair outside. So this son of yours comes, right? This son of yours. He won't even call him his brother, right? This son of yours comes. This wasteful delinquent who has spent your hard-earned wealth on loose women. And what do you do? You butcher the fattest calf from our herd. Right? The father replied, my son, you are always with me. And all I have is yours. Isn't it right to join in the celebration and be happy? Isn't it right to join in the celebration and be happy? This is your brother we're talking about. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found again. And that's where the story ends. Like what what does the father see when he sees the younger son coming. He doesn't see that he was the one who wanted him dead. He doesn't see that he's the one who wasted all the money. He doesn't see that he's the one who slept with all the loose women and wasted all that money on wild living. He doesn't see that. You know what he sees in his son? He sees all of the good in him. All of the good. He sees the same thing in the older son. All of the good. And I think if we're to be like that younger son, then we've got to come to the father in a posture of humility. Right? Because isn't that what the older son is lacking? Isn't that what kind of grates on our nerves about the older son is the lack of humility? Because I think humility is actually like the key enabler and starting place for like the entire Christian experience. Humility means accepting ourselves and others just as we and they are. Like all the limitations, vulnerabilities, and major imperfections included. And that we would accept ourselves and others just as they are because we're already equally valuable and beloved by God. We don't have to like prove our worth by what we accomplish, by what we own, by what we do right, by our status in society. None of that stuff has to prove our worth. We are seen by Jesus just as we are and he sees all the good in us. Jesus, right, God with skin on. And so if you wanna know what God is like, so if you wanna know how God sees you, what he thinks of you, then look at the story Jesus tells of the lost sons. The, the, The father, he sees the younger son and the older son, and both of them are invited to the party. Both of them are invited to relationship, to belonging, to a place called home. Right, and you know what that means? That means we're all invited to that same party, to the place called 
home. So there's this comic circling around. I'm going to draw a picture, right? So there's this comic circling around uh, on this abyss called Facebook. I think you've heard of it, right? And, and the, this comic, I'll tell you what, ticks me off, this comic. I'm going to draw it for you, okay? Here we go. We've got a path here. Oh, this is already not going well. Okay, so on this path, this is the comic on Facebook. I'm going to draw it for you. We've got you or me or whatever, okay? This is us, us and Jesus. Oh, no. That's pretty good. Okay, so we've got the two of us, right? You and Jesus, and we're walking down this path. Right, like this is now funny to me because really it looks like we're hopping down the path. If those are our footprints, we're like, let's go, Jesus. So, right, like here we go. We're all going down the path and we're walking together. And then there's this this way. You could go this way. You get to here and it's like, ooh, fun that way. And so this is, I'm just telling you what the stupid comic says, right? And, and so Jesus, he, I forget which one's Jesus, but he stays here. And we go this way because we think we're going to have some fun. Okay? Right? Because apparently it was not fun with Jesus at this point, or we're looking for a different kind of fun. And so off we go down the path that says fun. But you know what happens in this comic is what happens to the younger son, too. Fun runs out. And he's there, and he's at the end of like the fun path, maybe a cliff. I don't know, right? And he's like, man. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Or this doesn't fulfill me the way I thought it was going to. This isn't as meaningful as it looked like it was. It's not as fun as I thought it was going to be. And so this, this comic says he has like this thought. That's a thought bubble that he had because he's over here now. Oh, good heavens. Um, anyway, he has this thought. And he's like, I wonder if Jesus waited for me. Right, and then the next thing is like this comic, and here's Jesus, and he's set up a tent or a teepee and, and a fire, and he's like, he's camping out. He's camping out. He's like, I wonder if Jesus waited for me. And you know what the next part of the stupid comic is? The guy walking back to the campsite by himself. You know why that's dumb? Because what was Jesus going to do the moment he turned around? He was going to sprint. He was going to sprint to him. Here we are. And you know what they did the whole way back? They had fun. <laughs> right? The whole way back. And then apparently, there's the huge party at the campsite. Jesus already had the party going. Because the moment we turn towards God, the moment we turn towards home, he comes and meets us. Right? And we're, we're having fun now. Because fun is... Chilling with JC is fun, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, JC, yeah? Okay. Right, like we're all invited to join the Father at the party. And all we really need to do is turn around, turn back toward home because he's already looking for us. And I just cannot get this image of the huge party out of my head. A huge party. Not a little one, like a huge one. And as I've been reflecting on what that huge party might be like, 
I, I imagined it might include this song I, I love and came across, and that they would be playing this at the party, the party that God is throwing for you and for me. This song is playing there. It's not a hymn, okay? Sorry. If you're into hymns, this one's not. It's a little bit more exciting than that. And so what the band is gonna do is they're gonna play this song, and it's a song called You Belong Here. And as they play it, would you do yourself the favor of imagining that God has seen you, that he's run to you, that he's embraced you and kissed you and clothed you and had a feast for you and now he's throwing this party for you. Imagine that he's throwing this party for you and this song is playing there. And you accepted his invitation to go to the party and maybe all that you need to hear today is that God is saying to you, you belong here with me. You belong here at the party. And so when the band is finished playing, we're just going to continue singing together.
would you grab a seat for a moment and, and think back to the story that Jesus was telling where, where he, he talks about the son who, who had this moment of self-reflection. And would you take a moment right now to do that? Maybe that looks like praying, maybe that looks like thinking, but you could go before God and reflect on the state of your life as it is right now. Are you becoming who you wanna become? Are you listening to God? Are you following the call that God's put on your life? Maybe all you need to do is sit and reflect on a God who loves you so much that he sees you a long way off, that he sprints to you and he hugs you and kisses you and throws huge parties for you. Maybe that's the God you need to reflect on right now. But take that moment. Think about where your life is at and what God has for you. And after you do that, I'll close us here in a second. continue to take this time reflecting, taking this time with God. I want to speak to maybe those of us who are looking for an opportunity to turn around and, and come home today. Maybe you've reached that point where, where the road you're on, it's run out and, and you've never quite envisioned a God who would come running to you the moment you would turn around. A God who's already looking for you, waiting for you to turn around. A God who would meet you there and love you just as you are no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. And if you want to make that decision today to turn around and head back towards home, back towards a life following Jesus, then you could pray this prayer with me in the quiet of your own heart. It might go like this. God, I see that you are a God who loves me relentlessly. Thank you for loving me no matter where I've been and no matter what I've done. Today, God, I want to come home to you. I want to turn my life around towards you. Thank you for, for showing who you are and what you're like through your son, Jesus, and that through his death on the cross, we might have a way to have a relationship with you, God. Would you forgive me for going my own way, for trying to do it on my own, for doing my own thing, God? And today... As I come home, I give you my life. You are now in control, God. And if you prayed that just now, I want you to know that there's nothing in your life that's more important, that carries more weight than that. There's nothing you could do that could change your life more than that. And around here, we ask that we could just celebrate that with you. So if you're making that decision today to turn back 
towards home, would you just be bold enough to lift your hand up, make eye contact with me, and that'd be you saying, yeah, I'm coming home today. You can do that, yeah, right here, I see you. You can do that now. Yeah, back there, I see you. Back there as well, I see you over there. as I think about that right now God we were so blown away that you are a God who meets us where we are and that you love us enough to not let us stay there either we thank you that you love us this much to come to us God we may it so change our lives that we would leave this room different than when we came in that we would begin to see others as you see your sons in the story of the prodigal son that we would encounter other people and love them as you do, not for our own sake, but so that you might get the glory, so that it might all point to you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Even, even as I'm closing there, I'm thinking about the, the story of the, the sheep and the, the coin, and every time they found that which was lost, Jesus says, all of heaven celebrates, right? And many people chose to, to come home and turn their life towards God this morning. So what, what if we just all celebrated that? Like, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Welcome home. What a way to go out of here this morning.